Well, hello, everyone. God bless you. Welcome back again to the Bible teaching channel of A Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. Today, we are going to be taking a look at Acts chapter 19. We have been studying through the book of Acts off and on for quite a while now. I really don't even remember when I started these teachings, but um, we haven't been consistently staying within the book of Acts. I've been jumping around and teaching in different places throughout the Bible as well. But today we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. So if you are in a position where you can do so, please do grab your Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 19. If you're not familiar with your Bible, Acts is in the New Testament section of the Bible. The second half of your Bible, uh, you will find starts with Matthew, then goes to Mark, Luke, John, then the book of Acts. Um, and while I've got a moment to say so, if you do not subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on Facebook or all that social media kind of stuff, you can find us under A Love Outreach. And I uh, would also like to encourage you to find us on pretty much any of the podcast platforms that are out there under A Love Outreach. We have over 400 and some teachings on uh, an audio format, um, not quite so many teachings in video format. But anyway, I uh, just want to encourage you to find us out there on your favorite podcast platform and um, follow us there as well. And uh, just help us to kind of get the word out because that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to go through the word of God and uh, go through it in such a way that edifies us and exhorts us to live for Jesus and to come to faith in Jesus if you've not yet done so. But without any further ado, as they say, whoever they are and whoever first said that, I don't know, but now I've said it, let's go ahead and jump on in to verse one. And, oh, you know, real quickly here before I go on, um, chapters one through 18 are all available out there for you to listen to as well. So if you want to go through the whole book of Acts with us, you can go back and start at chapter one. But chapter 19, verse one, here we go. And it happened while Apollos was at corner that Paul, <coughs> excuse me, I had a cough there. Having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So some good things are happening in Ephesus and are about to begin. And as we go through this chapter and on this teaching here, it's probably going to be about 40 minutes long or so. I'm going to go through this whole chapter. But the good news on your side of it is you can press pause, you can press stop, you can come back to it some other time if you don't want to sit and spend 40 some minutes in a row with me right now. But we're going to see how the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of believers. And these first two verses here of Acts chapter 19 are very crucial verses, I believe, in regards to living out the Christian life. And I'm going to expound on that more as we go, right? That we need to live out the Christian life and there is a way to do it and there is something that we need to do it, okay? Now, just to lay a little groundwork here, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, there is a um, theological position um, that says that the gifts of the Holy Spirit all ceased with the apostles. That is called in theological terms, um, secessionist. Okay. Now, to put it very simply, a secessionist is a person that believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as they were on display in the book of Acts, as, we're, as we read about, as we've read about in the book of Acts, that they cease. That's where we get that word from, right? With the death of the apostles, that the gifts of the Spirit did not carry on, you know, and are not available and, and not at work in today's Christian 
Okay. Now I'm not one of those people that believe that. And I have to tell you that, and I don't mean to to sound arrogant or anything here, but I, I really do find it impossible to believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped with the apostles. And the reason I find it impossible is based on my own experiences. Now, I completely understand that we all don't have the same experiences, but I'm going to give you um, some practical examples here of something that happened in my life. Okay, so bear with me on this because it's important as we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, why I believe they still exist, and why I'm exhorting you to desire spiritual gifts. Okay, it was the summer of 1986 for me, and I came to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, now, I did not come to faith in Jesus through a religion nor did I come to faith in Jesus Christ to come to a religion, to join a church, to be part of a denomination or part of a religious sect or anything like that. I simply came as a result of reading the Bible for myself. My life had come to a place where I was done with me. I was done with the despicable me. And I, and I wanted an end to it. By hook or by crook, I wanted an end to it. And Someone there, there were, there were a couple people in my life over the years that, that witnessed to me, as we would call it in Christian terms today. That is, they testified to me about Jesus Christ. One of them very specifically harped on me about, I needed Jesus, I needed Jesus, I needed Jesus. And I was a very vulgar kind of person in that time, didn't really care much about anything. And I would curse him and, you know, Tell him I didn't need that. You don't realize who I am. And just very arrogant, very cocky. I won't go into that. But when I came to the end of myself, you know, I was in my apartment here out in Mesa, Arizona. And I picked up the Bible and I sat down and I began to read it. Now, where I began to read is not of importance, but I began to read at the end. I began to read the book of Revelation. But I, that's how I came to faith in Jesus Christ. And I've got another video out there that testifies of all this. So I won't go into all that, but that's where I came to Jesus. Again, it wasn't, I, well, I didn't want to come to a religion. I didn't want to come to a church. I didn't want to join a denomination. I didn't want to become a member of, of any church or anything like that, right? But after my wife decided that, you know, some time went by now, about a year went by where I was just reading my Bible, right? But my wife decided that she wanted to follow Jesus as a result of what she was seeing in me and what she saw the Lord do in me. So she came to me, right? And after that, I decided, well, let's find a church, you know, let's go ahead and find a church somewhere where maybe we can both be in fellowship with other Christians and find a place that teaches the Bible and that kind of stuff, right? So, but let me kind of backtrack a little bit here and fill in some of the gaps, right? You see, it was while reading the Bible in my apartment and, and spending a lot of time in prayer as well, um, very early, I'm talking about very early on in my walk with the Lord, there was this one night um, this was before my, I backtracked here, before my wife came to Christ, but I was in my prayer closet praying and, I, and the Holy Spirit came upon me, all right? If you, were, if you were with us when I did the Bible study on Acts chapter 18, you'll remember that we read about a man named Apollos and he was a knowledgeable man, very knowledgeable, a preacher, a teacher of the truth, but he had to be pulled aside by a man named Aquila and his wife Priscilla to be more properly instructed in regards to the fact that there was more for him to know personally and more to the truth that he needed to be sharing with others. He was missing something. And we're told in Acts chapter 18, or we were told as we read that, that he only knew the baptism of John which, as we know, is a water baptism unto repentance and to faith in Jesus Christ. And let me just interject here that if you have not been water baptized, um, you know, 
and you want to come to faith in Jesus Christ or you have come to faith in Jesus, I strongly encourage you to do so because you need to do so out of obedience to what is written in the word of God. It is a command to be baptized in water. So if you haven't done that upon your conversion after being born again, you need to do it, okay? You should indeed be baptized you know, as a believer in Jesus Christ. But there is, from a scriptural standpoint, more to your walk with the Lord than just that water baptism. And just to jump back now to my personal story here, that one night while praying, the whole, and, and like I said, the Holy Spirit came upon me and gave to me a gift of the Spirit, which for me at that time was speaking in tongues which I still do to this day. That is in an unknown language, right? And that's what the Bible calls speaking in a tongue. Okay, now I'm not gonna get into all that because that's not something I do publicly. It's something within my prayer life that I do, okay? And we can do, we can talk about that more if you want. Go ahead and reach out to me. I'll be glad to talk to you more about that. But you see, when this happened, at that very moment, I got up off the floor in my closet, and it was around two o'clock in the morning, and I went into our bedroom, and I laid hands on my wife while she was sleeping, and I quietly prayed in this language over her. I had no clue what I was saying, just like the Bible says, your mind is unfruitful. I was just simply following the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life at that time at that very moment. Well, lo and behold, the very next morning when she arose from bed, I was already out at the dining room table reading my Bible and she came to me and told me that she wanted to come to faith in Jesus as well. Well, there's a longer story around it. She's like, what is it with you? You know, she, she couldn't understand, you know, how the Lord had changed me. It's funny, she's like, you know, you don't curse anymore. You, you threw out all your alcohol. You, you don't fight with me anymore, all of this stuff, you know? And um, I said, Penny, you know, all I did was give my life to Jesus. So she wanted that too. But it was then that, as I mentioned earlier, that I began to, you know, begin the process of going ahead and finding a Bible-based, Bible-teaching fellowship of believers to congregate with, which, which wasn't real easy. You know, we, we, we went to a couple different churches. But anyway, it was evident to me, though, that the Lord, by His Holy Spirit, was working in our lives. And my, my wife, too, would have the Spirit of the Lord come upon her in the same manner. And she would speak in tongues. But it was this, along with many other experiences in the moving of the Holy Spirit, and this is my point here after that story, right? Here's my point. It's impossible for me to believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased with the death of the apostles. Because I can tell you, like I said, laying hands on my wife and praying in this language while she's asleep the next morning, you want to call that coincidence? She wants to come to Jesus. She wants to be born again. She's filled with the Spirit. And I can give you story after story. Not hundreds of stories, but I can give you a handful of stories over the years of what the, the Holy Spirit has done in my life through giftings of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, I take the Bible for what it says, and there is not a scripture anywhere that says the gifts of the Holy Spirit cease. So, we can't go there in that way either. I can't go there from personal experience, and we can't go there from a biblical standpoint. That is a theory that came about in about 1600, somewhere around there, um, with um, uh, Calvin, John Calvin. He's the one that started that in like 1600. The church all the way up to that point never believed that. Even Luther before him believed in the gifts of the Spirit. So, you know, this was just a theory that a man came up with. So I wanted to point that out to you, right? And then give you my personal experience to say, Here's why I can't believe that in the first place. Secondly, I'm going to hold on to Scripture, and I'm going to believe what the Scripture says. And I really want to encourage you 
that you be like a Berean. If you remember, we read about the Bereans. Was it in Acts chapter 17? They called them a noble people because they heard the things that the apostles said and they went to the scriptures themselves. And you need to do that as well. And I've encouraged you, you in this before, that when you hear me speak, when you hear any pastor slash Bible teacher, whatever they call themselves, whatever they are by the Lord's calling, you know, if you hear them speak, go to the scriptures, find out for yourself, seek the Lord for yourself. And I want to encourage you before we get deeper into this to seek the gifts of the spirit. Paul tells us, the apostle Paul told us to desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, right? And here in chapter 19, we again read in verses one and two, I want to read them again. It happened while Paulus was at Cornworth that Paul having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Okay, so plain and simple, they were disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So apparently they were taught, and maybe perhaps by Apollos, they were only taught the baptism of John, which again is very important in our lives today, but we cannot make the mistake of leaving out of our lives the baptism that Jesus brings, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And... Verse three goes on here to say of Paul, he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, well, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So, John, so Paul's affirming this. Right? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Okay? Now, again, as I mentioned, this is what happened with me and my wife as well after that night that I had laid hands upon her. I would then go on from that time to begin to preach faith in Jesus and to also teach the Bible to people wherever and whenever I could, doing Bible studies in many different places in, in, uh, in 1987 and, and on through, you know, doing Bible studies in different homes and things like that. And, but anyway, remember, John the Baptist himself said in regards to Jesus, right? He said, well, he said of himself, he said, I, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, speaking of Jesus, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So again, this is the word of God, okay? So as Paul came upon these men here in the city of Cornmouth, he more properly instructed them, just like Apollos had to be taken aside and more properly instructed by Aquila and Priscilla. But he here he, he takes these disciples and he baptizes them in the name of Jesus, in the Holy Spirit, through the laying on of his hands. Now let me take just a, a little more time here to explain that speaking in tongues, right? And this is important because a lot of people get caught up on this. It's not the end all be all gift of the Holy Spirit. It seems too often in many circles to be the gift of the Holy Spirit that attracts all the attention and people get so fascinated with, but it's, it's, it's not the only, nor is it the defining gift of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul himself made it clear that not everyone that is a follower of Jesus speaks in tongues. Go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which I'm going to probably encourage you a couple of times during this teaching to do that. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? So even though we read what we just read here in chapter 19, we must be careful to take into the, to effect the whole counsel of the word of God, the Holy Bible. You can't just pull out scriptures and make churches out of it and denominations and doctrines and all of that. Study the whole Bible, be like a Berean, okay? Because when we do, right, you know, 
we, as I mentioned, right, we, we learn that not all have the gifts of tongues. That is when we go and we study the Bible. We say, okay, wait a minute, does everybody do this? Well, the Apostle Paul himself, who baptized these men right here in, the, in Ephesus in the Holy Spirit, said that not everyone does. Not everyone does. But what I want to, to stress to you in this particular teaching is that there is indeed a baptism from the Lord that is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And far too often, it is ignored in many Christian churches. And we err if we do not learn this and, and seek this out to make it applicable in our own lives as individuals. The Spirit of the Lord will speak to you. The Spirit of the Lord will use you, will teach you, instruct you, and will give you the gifts needed to do the will of the Lord, that the Lord, the things that the Lord wants to do in you, the works that God has prepared for you to walk in, the Spirit of the Lord wants to empower you to do that and to make a way for you to bring the gospel to other people and to live your life in such a manner that is pleasing to Him. And if you want more on that topic, like I mentioned, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, go and read it where the Apostle Paul teaches concerning spiritual gifts. Far more than just, it's far more than just speaking in tongues. And you may find that the Lord, by his Holy Spirit and through seeking and through the seeking of his Spirit, will gift you, or maybe he already has gifted you with some form of a spiritual gift, but maybe you've smothered it smothered it, right? Just pushed it down, pushed it out of the way. Maybe you, one of these people that like, I don't, I want to, you throw the baby out with the bathwater because you see people doing foolish, gosh, I, I want to use the word idiotic, but maybe that's too strong of a word, you know, but the things that you see people do in the name of the Holy Spirit acting like fools, right? There's no basis of it for it in the scriptures. But, you must pursue. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that we should desire spiritual gifts. We should desire them. Now, moving on into verse 7. Now, the men were about 12 in all. Okay, so these men that Paul came upon. There's 12 of these guys here. And it says that Paul, he went of Paul, right? That he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. So, right? And now let me read on, hold on, before I get ahead of myself. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way. Now let me pause there, right? And say that if you're reading the New King James Version of the Bible, you will see here that the word way W-A-Y, there in verse 9 is capitalized, right? This is what the followers of Jesus were referred to. They were called followers of the way, okay? And we also know that Jesus himself said of himself that he is the way. That is the way to God. So these people were speaking evil of being a follower of Jesus Christ, and many people still still do in our day and age. And I just want to point out, I'm not going to expound too much on this, but jump back into um, verse 8 there, that Paul was reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Paul was preaching the kingdom of God, right? But let's move on. Verse 9, but when some were hardened... And did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples' reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples' reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. So the school of Tyrannius here was a school in which this man, Tyrannus, I guess would be the more proper way to say his name, he taught philosophy, and Paul here simply used this man's facility to teach about the things of the kingdom of God, like we read there in verse 8. And then verse 10 tells us this continued for two years. So Paul stayed there quite a long time, 
right? For two years, he dwelt in Asia. And um, all who dwelt in Asia, it says in verse 10, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So, we see here that these miracles of God mentioned in verse 12 these ones being spoken of here with the handkerchiefs and, you know, and that kind of thing were unusual. So, in other words, there were usual miracles, right, that were being done, but there were also some unusual things being done, you know. And now, are those, you know, let me, well, how do I say this? Well, there are those today. Let me say it this way. <laughs> maybe people that you maybe have seen on television, preachers and such, that they'll tell you that if you send them money, they'll send you a piece of cloth that will heal you, that you could put it under your pillow and have better dreams or, you know, you could do this or that with it, right? You could be prosperous if you get this handkerchief from them because they touched it. You know what? Keep your money because the works of God cannot be purchased with money. Go back. If you don't remember, we studied in Acts chapter eight about a man named Simon, right? That thought he could purchase with money the gifts of God where he could lay hands on people and they'd receive the Holy Spirit, right? But, but don't pay attention to these type of people. Verse 13 continues here and says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves. So look at this, right? <laughs> Everybody's trying to get on board here with something. They, they took it upon themselves to call on the name, Lord, the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. <laughs> so they didn't know Jesus themselves. That's the problem here. They weren't born again of the spirit. And it says also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest who did the same thing, right? And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? And then the man in whom the evil spirits was leaped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So look, folks, let me just summarize those verses that we just read right there <clears throat> and tell you that there is the real and there is the fake and you can't throw out the real because of the fake, first of all. And unfortunately, both the real and the fake happen in the name of Jesus. People use the name of Jesus. But it's not hard to spot the fake, especially if you have some spiritual discernment operating within you, if you are born of the Spirit. The fake ones are usually trying to get something from you for their benefit something to benefit their wallet, usually, their bank account. But the Spirit of the Lord needs not the things of men to accomplish His work. I don't need money to preach the gospel. I don't need money to teach the Word. Now, let me say here, just so no other pastors, no other preachers and things like that get mad at me, the Bible does say that if someone is teaching you the word, that you should support them. If they are blessing you with spiritual things, that you should bless them with your material things. Okay, so that does exist. But the key here is that they're actually teaching you the word. They're caring for your soul. They're helping you to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. If you have a ministry that's doing that in your life, even if it's this one, support it. You can do so. But what I'm saying is I don't need it to preach.
preach the gospel. I work. Just like the Apostle Paul, he was a tent maker. I can work. I can go out and make money. But yeah, ministries have expenses. Even this ministry, you know, we pay for things and we do things as a ministry to help others, to reach out to others. We take time to teach others, to counsel others, to do things for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom of God. So if you want to give to ministries like this and like many others that are out there that are doing that, do so, okay? But be careful, be wise. Don't just, you know, buy into anything that someone tells you. Search the word of God and find out if what they say, if what I say is in the Bible, the word of God, okay? So, if you're properly taught the gospel, the word of God, then like I said, you can bless the one who teaches you. I'm getting back onto my notes here. I got away from my notes, so, but I'm just going to go ahead and jump right back on into some notes I made here. You know, as the Holy Spirit leads you, do, do it. Do whatever the Holy Spirit leads you. But again, do study the word of God for yourself. And you know what? When the Holy Spirit is truly working, you know what happens? Truth is revealed. Hearts get cut. People get convicted within them and they begin to change. And verse 18 tells us, and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Look what they're doing. They believed and they're confessing and they're telling their deeds. They're repenting is what's happening here. They're saying, this is where I've failed. This is where... This is my sin. It says also, many of those who practice magic, so sorcery and such, right, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. So that, that's open repentance right there. Hey, look, check this out. This is what I had in my life. Maybe you've got things in your life like that. I remember meeting with a guy one time, long time ago, told me about his problem with pornography. I met him at his house. I said, you got anything like that in your house now? He said, oh yeah. I said, grab it. We're going outside to burn it. And we burned all that because that's what repentance is. And he had a hard time with it. <laughs> but the Lord healed him and the Lord renewed him by his spirit. And the Lord actually uses that man to this day for the preaching of the gospel. But these people are bringing their books and such and just burning it, open repentance here. And they counted up the value of them, the books, right? And it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So very valuable stuff. So a lot of times people want to hold on to something that's valuable. When the Lord says, now get rid of it, cleanse your life, purge your life of this. We're going to see as we read on a little bit later here about people that were worshiping idols and making money off of it and all that. But it says in verse 20 there, though, this is a key verse too, that the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And let me just pause here and say that this is exactly what you want happening in your life. You want to see the word of the Lord grow mightily and prevail within you. If you do not want this, then I, I suggest that you should question the level of your commitment to Jesus Christ. Question whether you're really in the faith or not. Remember, Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. This is the one that truly loves the Lord. The one that has the commandments of the Lord, that is, you know them. And you keep them, you live them. And you're not able, you're not going to be able to keep the commands of the Lord if you do not know the commands of the Lord. And you, you cannot know the commands of the Lord if you do not read the commands of the Lord. And the commands of the Lord are written and found in the pages of the Holy Bible. So you need to have the work of the Spirit in your life, yes, indeed but you need to have truth in your life and that's how you need to worship the Lord. Just like Jesus told the woman at the well, 
time will come and now is when those who worship God will worship in spirit and in truth. You need the balance of the spirit and the truth. You need the word of God, but don't smother the gifts of the spirit. Okay. But we see here in verses 18 and 19 that the evidence of the moving of the Holy Spirit is that he will first lead you to repent. This is this, that's a crucial thing to think on here. Meditate on those two verses, 18 and 19. Think about that. Have you confessed your sin? Have you truly repented? Because that's when the Holy Spirit will work in your life. Burn that stuff. Get rid of that stuff, whatever it is in your life. Lay aside that sin that does so easily beset you. Don't let sin trouble you any longer. Don't let it set you back. Turn from it and yield your life to the leading of the Spirit that will not let you fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, all of that is a good study in and of itself. And if you need to stop this teaching right now and go into prayer about what we've discussed thus far, if the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you right now about maybe some sin in your life, something you need to repent of, or about just you want to seek the gift of the Spirit, you can stop this and go and seek the Lord. But I'm going to go ahead and continue on in chapter 19 because I want to go ahead and finish out this chapter in this teaching, though I've already been gone 36 minutes. So this is going to be quite a longer teaching than what I normally do. But like I said earlier, you could push pause. You can come back later. <laughs> but verse 21 goes on. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. Now, remember, we talked about the way right? Jesus is the way. Who are the people of the way? The people of the way were the followers of Jesus. Remember in Acts chapter 11 is the first time that they began to be called Christians. We read about that, right? But for a large part of the time, the early church was called the way. The followers of Jesus were the, of the way, right? And verse 24 goes on to tell us that the problem that the people were having uh, here in the city. Well, specifically, it says one man, a man named, a certain man named Demetrius, who was a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. You know what it means? No small profit means brought a lot of profit. Big time money was coming into these men for selling this stuff. So Diana mentioned here is also, was also known in other parts of the world as Artemis. And uh, she was held in high esteem as a goddess. And she was believed to be a goddess of the hunt, the wilderness, the wild animals, nature, vegetation, and such. And they also believed that she was the goddess of childbirth and the care of children, just to name a few things, Right. But the bottom line is that she was a false god. And they would make statues of her, silver shrines like it mentions here, right? And it made them a lot of money. It made a lot of money for Demetrius and others in the town. So here comes these Christians now, right? These people of the way that are being born again, filled with the spirit, and they're repenting. And they're, they're turning from their evil things, their idol worship and all of that kind of stuff. They're, they're, they're being born again. And, and change was taking place. And the same holds true in our lives today. Those that are born again of the spirit, what happens? You throw away the stuff of the world. You throw away the idols. You throw away with that which you hold in high esteem and you become sold out 
to the commands of Jesus and you want to be a person that's led by the Holy Spirit. Again, if you don't, why? Again, maybe you should question whether you're in Christ. But the silversmith is upset here and in verse 25 says that he called them together with the workers of similar occupation, right? So there's a whole line of things going on here, right? A whole money-making thing, right? Men, he says, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade, right? So you know what I like about this scripture? I, I love this verse actually, because here this money-grubbing man, Demetrius, comes clean with the truth. It's all about money. And beware, folks, because I want to tell you that this stuff still exists today in the name of religion. And many people use the name of Jesus to get money. And they say, give us your money and we'll do this for you. Give us your money and we'll make things better for your dead relatives. Think about it. Think about what religion does. Yep, it's true. Many false religions are all about money. But I tell you what, being born again is what God is calling you to. Faith in Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, pressing on toward the mark of your high calling in Christ Jesus, living for what's ahead of us, eternal life, and not for what is here. And Demetrius continues on, moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout Almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. You know, the amazing thing today is the Apostle Paul is still used by the Lord to turn people away through what he has written and through what we can read here in the word of God. Paul was speaking the truth. Right? Actually, what we're reading right now in the book of Acts was written by Luke but much of the New Testament was written by Paul. And Demetrius still speaking in verse 27, so not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. So priority number one was looking out for their money. And then Demetrius here throws in priority number two. And he tries to get the people all riled up about their false religion. And he says, hey, all the world worships Diana, right? Anything to keep people from coming to Jesus. That's what Satan will do. He'll do anything. He'll use anything in your life to stop you from being born again, from being set free in Jesus Christ. And let me just slip in a question here. What is it, if you're somebody that hasn't come to Jesus, what is it that is keeping you from coming to Jesus? Go ahead, reach out to me, let me know. Go to our website, aloveoutreach.com, fill out the contact form, I'll get that, let me know. Or leave it in the comments here, if you want. What is it that keeps you from coming to Jesus? Now, when they heard this, verse 28 says they were full of wrath and cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion. Now, let me just interject here that God is not the author of confusion, but Satan sure is. But here in verse 29, the people are raging and in a frenzy as Satan likes people to be, right? be all confused and causing a ruckus and all that. And they rushed into the theater with one accord, um, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia who were his friends sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. So there were people trying to protect Paul here from physical harm. Though Paul wanted to rush in there and come to the defense of his brothers in Christ, his travel companions and such. But confusion is prevailing. And verse 32 says, says of these 
rioters and such here. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and, and most of them did not know why they had come together. And it sounds a lot like the ignorance that goes on in our world today, doesn't it? We can think of in recent times, rioters and looters, all under the influence of Satan, going out and destroying things in pure ignorance. And let me read on here, and I want to read a bunch of verses to you here. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for about two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Man, imagine sitting there listening to that over and over for two hours. And when the city clerk had quieted the crowd. And I want you to remember that, the city clerk here, because I want to comment on that. But when he had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus? So the city clerk kind of seems like he believes this foolishness too, right? Therefore, he goes on, he says, therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give to account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Now, I wanted to read all those verses to, all together with you here and just point out something to you. This city clerk, though again, he seemed to believe that this in this false god here, he was a good politician at least, right? This city clerk of Ephesus, he was talking about restoring law and order, pointing people out that there's no reason for this foolish behavior. Let's take it before the law. Let's take it before the courts. You see, thugs shouldn't be allowed to take over a city. Law and order must reign. Many of today's city, you know, the cities of our country here, the United States, the politicians, they want thugs to rule. They want chaos. They want confusion. They want to let the rioters prevail. They want to defund the law, right? But the Bible doesn't teach this kind of thing. But unfortunately, we have moved far away from the Bible in our world today, haven't we? Oh my goodness, the things we could talk about that go on in the world today that are so anti-God, so anti-Bible, so far from truth, just a bunch of confusion and lies. But let me tell you something, this ministry, this ministry of a love outreach, we preach Jesus. We preach the same Jesus that Paul preached in that day. He is God in the flesh, the everlasting God, the King of righteousness, the King of peace, the King of kings. Does he rule your life today? Or do you allow yourself to be led by Satan, the author of hate, the author of confusion, the one who wants to kill, to steal, to destroy your soul? You know, Jesus isn't and never has been about that type of thing, about the religions of this world, the worship, is of, the worship of idols, even though they use his name. And he's not about the gathering up of money and material things. Just read. Go in the book of Matthew and read the letters in red and read what Jesus said. He wants to be king of your heart today. And are you willing to leave behind the things of this world, including your false religion, and turn to him in repentance today? If so, if you're willing to repent, 
and confess your sin and bring it all out, then he will fill you. You will see the Holy Spirit come upon you. And if you want info on how to come to Jesus, I first suggest that you read the New Testament. And then if this ministry can help you, then go ahead, like I said, and reach out to us. Fill out the contact form on aloveoutreach.com. But God bless you. And I want to go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Father God, that you so loved the world that you gave Jesus to us, your only begotten Son. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father full of grace and full of truth. And we live in a world, like you said, Jesus, where you are the way, the truth, and the life even still today, but you said that there is an enemy who comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But you, Jesus, have come that we might have life and have life more abundantly. And I pray for those that will listen to this. If they've spent the last 50 minutes, over 50 minutes now of their life listening to this. I pray that you will fill them with your spirit, that you would grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they would come unto you and be born again of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you continue to do in this world through the power of your word, through the preaching of the gospel and through the work of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that we will leave none of that out of our lives, that we will truly be a people that worship you in spirit and in truth, rooted and grounded and founded upon your word, but led by your spirit. So we thank you and we praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, folks. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, whichever the case may be. And I mean it from my heart that if we can help you to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, please do contact us. And if you are a born-again Christian and you can say amen to all that was just taught, share this with someone else. Put it out there. Get the word of God out. Let's spread the gospel. We'll see you next time. God bless.